0: Are you struggling to believe that there is a purpose for your life, that after all you've been through, seen or done, that there's a chance you'll ever find peace and wholeness again? Welcome to Love and Beloved. This podcast explores what matters to us the most, overcoming adversity, success stories on relationships with God, ourselves and others. Now here is your host, Lena Sibula.
1: I'm so glad for you to listen in today, new episode of Love and Beloved podcast. And today, my guest says, where are you, God? You are in the Bible, and it gives me peace. But the evil man is yelling and screaming, trying to take my peace and trying to break my spirit. Joining me today is Tammy Tony Butler. And Tammy is the nurse, and she's published author, and she's speaker and consultant on human trafficking. And today, we're going to talk about her lived experience and about amazing non-profit organization that she launched called Reflective Spaces Ministries that is dedicated to direct survivor support and victim services. I named this episode From Glory to Glory. Because I want you to see hope. I want you to understand that it's possible to have mission and passion and purpose in this life and hope and love and peace and joy after trauma. And I want you to know you are never alone. You are loved. You are significant. And your life is valuable. Welcome, Tammy, to Love and Beloved podcast.
0: Oh, Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: I'm so grateful that you have agreed to share your expertise with our audience, that people will greatly benefit and will be encouraged by our discussion. And first of all, Tammy, please tell us about yourself and where your journey begins.
0: Well, I'm uh, Tammy Tony uh, Butler. And I am a uh, survivor of uh, sex trafficking. It was only when I wrote an article published in the National Library of Medicine on human trafficking and was researching it kind of extensively um, that I discovered, oh, wow, that sounds like what happened to me. And then, of course, I didn't want to believe that because then that would mean that my mom would have been considered. Could have been considered a, my trafficker. And that led me down a whole um, avenue of emotions and, and grief. There was so much grief. And I really didn't want to believe it. So I, I actually, I remember there was an agent with Homeland Security and we had finished our, our speaking engagement together. We were, I was speaking on behalf of the American Nurses Association, then I think maybe the New York chapter. And I can on human trafficking and, and I can remember, you know, taking him and said, let's go, you know, have a beer and let's just talk and let me ask you a question. And I, I kind of told him a little bit and he goes, yes, that's considered human trafficking. I said, but I'm not like the ladies that came off the, that was forced on a track or, you know, that are truly in the game. Mine was familial and he goes, but the trauma, the trauma was the same. And he said, don't lessen it and don't not share about it. Because do you know how many survivors are out there of familial human trafficking to where someone they know was involved, a member of their family, a mother, a father? And he goes, that's where your the power of your story lies. And that's what led me today to form Well, I have when you when you follow God uh, and I'm sold out for Jesus, I'm going to tell you now he is everything to me. I would not be here, but he set me free and I'm on his his journey. I sold everything to follow God. I sold my house on the golf course. I sold my sailboat. I sold my truck. I sold everything. And I have uh, he led me to a 10 acre parcel of land that has a beautiful lake and green pastures. It's like Psalm 23 came to life. And I've lived that. And um, I work with survivors of human trafficking and childhood trauma, uh, sexual violence, anything to uh, decrease uh, the trauma and to help heal and to establish hope. Uh, We've become like a sanctuary. I, I have Uh, A business called A&K Ranch Ministries, which is an LLC, which is basically the agricultural venue uh, to where I have uh, the uh, kayaking and fishing and and animals. You know, I have a cow. I'm its mom and all this other stuff. And then I have my nonprofit, my 501C3 nonprofit, which is Reflective Spaces Ministry that runs out of um, the uh, agricultural venue. And with that, I provide trauma informed Bible study slash group on uh, Mondays for survivors of human trafficking and those struggling, you know, with addiction or anything like that. And we also have like a free food pantry on site and I provide uh, communal meals uh, so we eat together. And um, I also am the co-founder of Nurses United Against Human Trafficking, a learning management system that houses uh, a lot of educational uh, modules and case studies uh, on human trafficking.
1: That is amazing. first of all, I'm so grateful that you do sharing your story and I'm so grateful that you have somebody telling you, do not belittle that and share with someone else so we would know because um that's a huge misconception. We still. Very new to openly talk about this on social media, podcasts because I've been trafficked twenty years ago, so that was uh, existing then. But uh, only five years ago, when I started speaking about it, it was still not as um like all the information wasn't like as widely available. But now, more and more, I'm doing researches. And I'm so grateful that people like you, like you are my superheroes, you've been working in the background all these years, but now because of the social media and because we're talking about this and creating awareness, I see that we are actually taking steps to break those uh, misconceptions about human trafficking, all those myths about that you have to be like kidnapped and chained somewhere in the basement and all this stuff. So I'm really grateful that you're sharing that. It's really sad because we're assuming that it's um, trafficker praying on someone that they don't know. In reality, most of the time involved are family and friends. Another thing I want to pinpoint and I really like how you talking about the place to restore their soul too, because it's very important because it's a huge trauma no matter how we realize, but it's um it's affecting living so it doesn't it's not enough just to rescue someone you need that rehabilitation you need that place of safety and i love it how you compare this place to the psalm 93 about the green pasture is that 93 yes, 23 23 23 yes but the amazing part that risk is there you give these people these survivors actually opportunity to rehabilitate their they actually sold to not not just body in mind but being trafficked can cause severe trauma and survivors often need support to rebuild their lives and seems that that's exactly what you're doing. And guys, in the previous episode, we met with Dr. Francine Bonaneri, and she's another co-founder. These two beautiful ladies come together and created this amazing organization, Nurses United Against Human Trafficking, and you can hear her story, and you can learn more about the... Nurses United, but today I want to talk about Reflective Spaces Ministry. You spoke about how it started, but can you tell us a little bit more about this ministry?
0: Yes, I think it's important for me to say a few things. First of all, when I learned that what happened to me was human trafficking, I thought that I was a victim of multiple Um, childhood sexual assaults. Now the law called, called it child molestation, but how do you, you don't tell them the truth because you don't tell them that your mom knew that, that when you went finally and, you know, it had, my abuse had gone on for many, many years. It had started when I was around preschool or kindergarten age. I don't have a lot of memories, um, and actually, it, it all is rooted in, in, in trauma in so many ways. My mom's generational trauma, my dad's trauma, and, and my father, my, my real dad, he um, was drafted. He, he, they got married and, and were like teenagers when they started having all of us. And he got drafted, went away to Vietnam, a few tours, came back, was not the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, he threw himself into police work. Uh, He did have an affair. He divorced my mom and I was maybe two or three. And then um, he went on. I'll start with him. He went on to be absent in my life. He was only a couple of times in my life. And the memory that I have with him, there's one memory that was profound. And I remember him taking us to a Braves game. And I remember that he it's like he had to dose with alcohol because in the glove compartment of the car, he opened it up and he drank a long swig from a flask. I now know that as a nurse looking back. And so he was struggling with addiction then and functioning and was a functioning alcoholic. Well, his battle with complex trauma and the aftermath of war Um, And, you know, coming over the aftermath of migration, I know that he migrated over to America from Belgium with his uh, parents and on Father's Day, we buried him when I was 15. He uh, uh, died by suicide Uh, when he was 39 years old. He took his own life uh, with his duty, I believe his duty weapon. And again, we buried him and. I was going to reach out to him thinking he was going to be my savior because I knew if I stayed with my mom, I was going to be continuously victimized. Um, but obviously he was not my savior because he ended his life. Uh, going back to my mom after the divorce from my dad, she was never the same. I mean, he was a love of her life and, and she had been horribly victimized uh, in her childhood. Uh, Her father was an alcoholic. She did not speak of any of this stuff much. It was only um, on uh, her deathbed uh, when I reconciled and and, and really and forgave her. It was maybe a few months before that. But I spoke to her and I said, you know, you understand that I educate on human trafficking. You understand that that God is calling me to speak on human trafficking. And you understand that the moment that you knew The moment that we told you and you did nothing and you allowed it to go on for years and years and years because your words to me were, how will I survive? How will I pay the rent? You know, I don't work. I have a nerve problem. I can't work. He 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 pays the rent. He buys the food. He's everything. How will I survive the moment that she used me as a commodity to get her basic needs met? That was a commercial sex act and that fell under human trafficking. And so I had to kind of make her understand because I said, Mom, I said, God has called me. He set me free from the shame, the guilt, the fear, the regret, the weight of the trauma. And I said, he healed me and I owe him my life. I said, so I'm sold out and I've got to go. And he's calling me to speak. And I said, I'm going to speak about you in a manner that you may that I'm not even comfortable with speaking about it because she did the best she could. She was a good mom, but she parented in survival mode. She didn't deal with her own trauma. So I said to her, I have to do this. And she said, if you can keep one family from going through what we went through in that hell, then you speak the truth. And if nothing else comes out of this, that's what comes out of it. And we are gonna be reunited in heaven again, a family not torn apart by trauma. And trauma, it's real. It dictated my choice of career. Every every date I went on, everything I did, it put me on a pathway of destruction. And it was only God that freed me of that. And it was through me coming to terms with it, speaking about it, not carrying that because Jesus died on the cross so we could be set free. He bore our trauma. He was wounded. He was a victim of trauma. He was beaten. He was ridiculed. He was shamed. He bled out so that we didn't have to carry it. So I ask you this question. Why are so many of us still carrying it? Why are we caught in captivity when he set us free? We have to lay down those chains. We have to lay down the shame, the guilt, the fear, the regret, all of it. The generational trauma. I forgave my mother. And that's where life is, is forgiveness. Forgiving us, forgiving ourselves. I had to forgive myself because I, too, was a, a teenage pregnant mom. And I, too, could not parent her. And I, too, you know, parent to try to parent in survival mode. It didn't work out. I made horrible choices, and I, I still don't have contact with my daughter today, and it it kills me because there's never a day that I don't think of her and love her and wish I'd have been a mother to her. And I know my mom thought the same thing, but she physically physiologically, could not. She physically couldn't. She mentally couldn't. She spiritually couldn't, because when they rape us, they don't just rape our body. They rape our mind and our soul and our spirit. And they try to brainwash us and break us down so that the lies of the enemy take hold in our life. And we have to break free of that because Jesus died so we could. Salvation is for now. Salvation is for us to be set free from that, from those chains, those psychological chains. That's what human trafficking is. It is not chains around the wrist. It is not like the movie taken. It is psychological manipulation, gaslighting and torture. And Christ set me free of all of that.
1: Wow, I meant to that, honestly. It's so beautiful because it's really remind me of my salvation story, Freedom, that I, it, it's so interesting that I assumed because I wasn't Christian when I actually escaped the human trafficking, and I assumed that if I find a good man after all this, like, destruction and mess in my life, if I have a good job, if I have everything that normal people do, and I'm doing quotation marks, guys, because the normal, it's so different for me now, but I, looking on another side, I saw people different, I saw their parents not like my parents, I saw their homes not like my homes. And I always wanted that because I assume if I get that, then I would not be who I am. And I strive for that. And there was a moment when I actually quit drugs by myself and I used everything, honestly, like heroin, cocaine, crack, all this stuff. But I quit by myself because I could have the willpower. And so many times I quit so many drugs because I knew that I gonna die. So that kind of like like pushed me because that time I didn't know that Holy Spirit speaking me. But every time I was so close to overdose, I felt it in my heart, God saying to me, You were made for more. And that triggered me not to. Just roll over and die. But when I finally got, actually got out and I thought, oh, I quit drugs by myself. I was like in a, already in a clean home. Everything was good, but I was tormented in my mind. I had no peace. I had no joy. My anxiety was through the roof. I never experienced my past traumas on a clean body. And that's why I used all the drugs to medicate my pain, to medicate my thoughts, to medicate my mind. So it's go blank for twelve, like fourteen hours. So I don't need to think that I'm I'm broken, abandoned, hopeless, helpless, unloved, alone. It it hurt me to the point that I had a panic attack. So when I was, I, I get out, I was um, around 21. I actually ended up in a hospital with a panic attacks and they so severe that I thought I'm having a heart attack. That's how my brain tormented me. And I'm grateful that God actually allowed me to see because I assumed that I could do everything by myself. I got my healthy relationship. I had my healthy child. I have my good and clean home and I was not healthy and that's what he saved me from shame guilt condemnation he loved me so much I realized that his heart was beating for me like there when I was in hell so so when he brought me to this beautiful relationship and give me so much peace I, I actually guys I cannot even describe this I got supernatural peace. My verse for my life, it's Philippians 4, 4, 9. And I kid you not, I've been like over 10 years Christian and I run to it every time. And he show up with that peace in Christ Jesus every time. So I'm holding on on it so much. And if you guys, I'm not trying to, yeah, I already like told you a million times, I'm not trying to convert you. You do what you do, you know, I will love you no matter What fate or gender, like I don't discriminate, but if you're in the end of the rope and you think that I tried this, this, and that, and you try everything and it's still not working, why wouldn't you give God a chance looking into fate? Because honestly, this is what saved me because you cannot get peace anywhere else. I believe this with all of my heart. But with what my story resonates with you, it's the same, forgiving my parents, going through, writing my book, it was like my therapy with God, because I assume like when I got my husband and started going to church, I assume I never have to look back and tell people who I was, you know, because... Now I have like this new persona that I created. I'm going to church. I have a husband. I'm in a meal committee, on a prayer committee. And then I felt like God saying to me, you need to write about miracle of God in your life. So I assume he asking me to write about the miracle. But when the Holy Spirit told me that, no, you're going to start when you were six years old, I cry for three days. And then it's actually funny. I actually said my husband, like I put my hands, I was so angry. I said to him, I think Holy Spirit tricked me. I said yes to write about miracles of God in my life, not about my past. And literally my book started when I had my three kids and my husband. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, well, you wasn't born with the husband and three kids. And I'm like, oh, he means life, life, not the life after I give my life to Christ. And it scared me. It scared me because I thought it was the story of shame, guilt, and condemnation. I didn't want to go in the past. I don't want to relieve all this past, but it was God's story of salvation. I look and my past, and I remember that I was praying to him when I was six years old. And I remember I was praying when I'd been sold in the brothel and my bodyguard brought me into the valley wall to pray to God. I was from the brothel brought to the holy place. I walked where the Jesus walk and I would never think about that because I carried off all the past. And then I was crying and praying. I'm like, God, you're so good. And it's made me reconcile with myself, reconcile with my family because of him, because he filled me with so much love that there was no pain. I know this has happened. And now when I speak this out loud, like I kid you not, I feel like this secret, this pain, this darkness that was lurking, it's gone. And the people just love me. Nobody ever come and give me like bad feedback. It's your fault and all this stuff from beginning. People like hover over me. You're loved. You're safe. And that's what I want to tell you guys. Sorry, a little bit long, but if you believe that you're alone, if you believe that people are going to stone you, reject you for everything that you've done and going through, that's the biggest lie. There's people who are going to love you, who are going to support you. Just don't be silent. You know, find someone who who can help. Write somebody note if you cannot speak about the stuff that's going on. You don't have to write the book or launch the podcast. Well, if it's in your heart, of course. But start with the note. I need help. And there's going to be people who are going to take care of you. And if you don't know God, he's taking care of you no matter if you know him or not. You are loved. And you're significant. Your life is valuable. (sighs) So,
0: you know, something you said there, it's funny, not funny, but you know, when we survivors get together, which is a part of my Bible study, it's really a group and we come together because we're a member of a club no one wants to be a part of, but we have campfires and we just share God's love. But a few things stuck out at me too. I too, you know. I didn't have a lot of memories. And it was when I started speaking that I started getting the memories back. And the more I rooted into him and the safety of my husband, who my husband, I mean, with an amazing man, he's just, Oh, handpicked from, from God. And it was when I had a safe place to process things that I really started. And I too, the trauma was coming out because I started having panic attacks. I started having all these things and I thought, what is wrong with me? And I realized it's because it was bubbling out of me, and it was when I was at my lowest moment that that I got delivered and, and got the salvation. And a few things stuck out at me: is I used to hide in the bathroom, and I was real little, but I could read, and I would read everything. And I remember I was so comforted by the Bible, and so I would take the Bible and I would hide it, and I would go into the bathroom and lock the door because. The boogeyman, he couldn't get me in there. Now I was going to pay when I got out and he may take the door off the hinges so I could never lock it again or, you know, take the light out so that if I would you know, turn the light on, um, he would take it out so that I couldn't do that to try to get him to leave me alone. And anyways, I would hide in the bathroom and I would read my Bible just to get a moment's peace. And I remember I would always read, you know, Psalm 23. And when I was a few days ago, I was preparing for a presentation that I'm about to do and I couldn't recite it. And I'm like, I didn't realize my brain blocked it. Like I couldn't bring up Psalm 23 and it was my anchor. And I used to huddle in that bathroom and like, where are you, God? You're in this Bible and it gives me peace. At the, you know, at the time I'm reading it, the evil man is, I won't even say his name or give him the honor. He is yelling and screaming, get out of there, get in there, trying to take my peace. And he kept trying to break my spirit. And I'm like, you're not going to break my spirit, buddy. I remember thinking that as a little kid. But I'd get beaten. I'd get, you know, hurt. But, you know, they try to get you in line, you know, and they rape you or they, you know, beat you or whatever, starve you, torture you. So anyway, I just remember, where are you, God? I pray to you every, every day to make this stop. But at night, when he sneaks into my room, or early morning, or makes me walk that long walk down the land to the back of the wood line where this shop of horrors was that he built to be able to do whatever he wanted with us, you know, made me his sex slave from the time I was a little kid, kindergarten or or, or so on, up until maybe I was right around that 14 year old age and or, or or 15 or so. And so many times I'm like, where are you God? So I was mad at God. I mean, I was mad and I was a good person and I knew it. And I knew that I had been born for more, but what we have to remember is we were, he knew us before he formed us into the, in the womb, but we were still born into a womb. That was a womb that was, an environment that had shame and guilt and fear and regret because it was a womb of trauma from my mom. She, she, I grew up and, and, and got all the nourishment from trauma. So from the time I came out of the birth canal, I was already traumatized and I was already carrying rocks. I was already carrying this heavy weight of trauma. And I think that honestly, Satan tries to come to, to break that relationship with God. But I can tell you now looking back, honestly, I don't know how I'm alive. I I would I look back at how many times I was being recruited, how many times I should have died, how many times I should have gone to jail or done something, you know, I was in these positions and I would always get removed from them before something bad really happened. Money would just show up in the mailbox. I mean, we used to dig in, in trash cans, you know, in dumpsters for food, and and it would just, it would just show up sometimes. So he was there, but I didn't, I didn't, I I couldn't reach him because of the trauma. It's like there was a veil. So I want to lift the veil off the veil, the lies that says you're not worthy, that you can't come to him. Look at the movie chosen. Look at those scenes with Mary or the woman at the well. You are fearfully, beautifully, wonderfully made daughters and sons of the king. There is absolutely nothing that you have to be ashamed of, that you can't seek him out, that you can't find him. And any church that won't accept you is wrong. I'm sorry, because I'm not going to try to change you. I'm going to show you his love. I'm going to show you his support I'm going to pour into you and show you the love of Christ. And when I say that about any church that won't accept you, I don't mean that derogatory by any means, but I'm just saying that there's so many survivors that have reported to me that I work with that say they don't feel welcome in a traditional church. They just don't feel welcome. And it's some of the things that is said, maybe that's not necessarily trauma informed sin is, is sin. It is there. But Jesus loved the sinners. And I need to show everyone the love of Christ. I cannot discriminate. I can't discriminate on what gender you are. I can't discriminate on what gender preference you are. I can't discriminate on if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're white, if you're black, if you're a Democrat, if you're a Republican. I don't see any of that. I don't see If you struggle with a sex addiction, I don't see if you've gone to prison. I don't see that. I see you through the eyes of Christ, through the heart of Christ. And I love you for it. Because Jesus loved the sinner. That doesn't mean I condone the sin. Make no mistake. If you cooperate with sin and I sin, trust me, I've done some things. I am not worthy to be talking to you today. But he, through his grace, he set me free. And that is what I want to say, because there's so many coping with trauma that are coping with trauma through addiction. They struggle with alcohol addiction. They struggle with, you know, hard drugs. They struggle with food. They struggle with pornography. They struggle with so many things. And it's just to try to cope with that, that heavy weight, that ickiness, that, that house of horrors that's in your brain that never turns off. And That is what I want people to know is that you can get set free from that. I did. I don't have it. I have quiet. I have peace. And I owe owe him everything because he took the icky away. He took the weight of it away. And he saw fit to, when I called out to him, when I couldn't take it anymore, no matter all the things I'd done, he saw them all. He knows what you've done. He saw me when I was in the gutter, when I'd take when I couldn't sleep and I'd take a bottle of wine and take some Ambien to get to sleep and, you know, wash it down, which is not recommended at all. I mean, I'm a nurse, but I would self-medicate and, and I or I became a workaholic. I'd work 70 hours a week and I was never home or never around. I threw myself in, to be in a wounded healer. And I thought if I healed everybody else in the emergency department, I was an ER nurse for over 30 years. And now I'm a sexual assault nurse examiner, forensic nurse examiner. I thought if I threw myself into that career, that status, that I could fix it. If I had a a perfect house, a perfect this, if I had a car, you know, whatever I bought, it was going to fix it. Nothing fixed it, but his grace and his love. And I'm 100 percent with you if you've tried everything else and you're at the end of your rope. Why don't you try just reading the word of God? Just and you know what? If you if you don't know what to say, you don't have to because the soul he knows. It says it in the Bible. He knows even if you can't pray the words, he knows what you need before you even know what you need because he knows everything. So just get alone and sit and meditate. That's it. Just sit and meditate and and wait on a whisper to come. Because that's where where the Holy Spirit comes in a whisper, a love of peace, of joy, He's not a a God of condemnation. He's not a God of of hate and judgment. Now, I say that of judgment. I mean, if there, you know, you look at Sodom and Gomorrah, there's a time that judgment will come and, and his protection will lift off of a nation if we continue to cooperate with sin and we continue to go down that pathway of destruction and we don't take care of his children. And we don't do the the great commission that he's called us to do. And we don't watch after the orphans and and the widows. And we don't do what he's called us to do. And we continuously turn our back to God. Make no mistake that judgment will come. So there has never been a more important moment than now that you seek out the love and grace and healing that is found at the foot of the cross with Jesus. And that is what I want you to know, that you can ask for forgiveness, that you can repent of your sins, that you can say, Jesus, I love you. I repent of my sins. You are everything to me. You died on the cross so I could be set free. You did that for me. You were wounded. You were beaten. You were hurt. You had nails in your hands and you did all that so I could be washed clean from your blood. So wash me clean, Lord. Come in into my heart and be my savior. I know you died. I know you were resurrected, Jesus. I know you're the son of God. And as it says in your word, I am now washed clean and a new creature in Christ. If you pray that prayer and ask for the Holy Spirit to come live inside of you and to get that sin out and have the heart and mind of Christ, your life will forever change as mine did, as yours did, Lena. And that is why we are here. We are here to break the chains and the lies off so that you can be set free yes. to be who God called you to be.
1: Amen, amen, and amen. And honestly, when you talk about the church, it breaks my heart that people actually, like, we are sinners, so nobody perfect, and I understand. But I tell you, if you've ever been hurt by the church, Please don't turn away from God because you wasn't hurt by God. You were hurt by people. So, and don't give up because there are so many other places that you can find it that gonna love on you. This is only one place. And you know what? If you just pray that prayer of salvation, God will lead you to right people. He will open the door. I have like goosebumps all over the place because I, after I pray my prayer, this woman, um, Show up that I was volunteering with in the church. She became my mentor. She actually taught me how to open the Bible, where to find the verses. I didn't ask for it. I just was like, okay, God, here I am. So you don't have to change. You don't have to be different. You don't have to quit smoking or your bad habits to be loved by God. He took me where I was. And he start just bringing the people who start speaking to me. Do you know how to read the Bible? They you know how to find this verse? I know that I'm still going to screw up tomorrow, today, tomorrow, probably. But I know that I can see it and I can be forgiven. I repent and I move. So I don't stay in guilt, shame and condemnation. I just learn. And think about the kids too. You know, how they like, if the child fell down, what we like spanking them for not working no we're encouraging them clapping for them and that's what heaven does for you too in the beginning that's kind of baby steps but more and more you will mature trust me I know this is was my path and it's been 10 years and I'm thinking like I'm already teenager so you have hope I have hope too but um it's beautiful thank you so much I actually would like to get us back to Reflective Space Ministry. Now you guys already got a little bit more idea about our faith. And can you tell us a little bit more about Reflective Space Ministry? And what are the top three challenges you face right now regarding your work?
0: Uh, well, Reflective Space is ministry. It's a place that you can come. It's, it's, uh, our location is kept a secret. And um, it's 10 acres of green pastures, literally of a big lake. There's kayaks. And it's become a place that you can come and sit and be still. If you don't want to talk to anybody, you can just come sit by a bench by the lake. You can go pet my cow, which I fed up from a bottle. And it's a, she's like 1,000 pounds, but I'm her mother. And she follows me around the pasture. Or we have rescue cats. And um, at one time, we had 10 horses here. We had some flooding. We went through Hurricane Ian. We were in the eye wall uh, for gosh, that was like 20 something hours. It was awful. And, um, so we have all these places to be able to sit and be still. We have this barn to where we come together and we have community eating. Um, and then when my ladies leave and, and, you know, after we come together and we pour into each other and talk about trauma and talk about, uh, the Bible and just talk about where we're at, there's different levels of faith walk. There's new beginners, there's others, but, and we don't force religion on anyone. We just share what he's doing in our life. And we meet everybody where they're at. And we have a free food pantry. They can get some hygiene products. They can get food and take it with them because we nourish the spirit. We nourish the physical man too. Um, They can just come and walk around and exercise. Um, And we, we want to put in like, um, a a walking path kind of around the lake. We have a wetland preserve area uh, to where it's just become a a sanctuary, a place of respite, almost a field trip location, a safe place that you can come and process and be loved and accepted. And our biggest needs that we have um, are obviously financial. We are a 501c3 and even $5 donations go a long way. Um, I have, I quit my job, everything to follow Christ and and to build all these businesses and all these things. And my husband and I, we pour into the ministry, but he still works full time. Uh, He's a police officer. And we're just regular people trying to do something supernatural and, and just obeying. And obedience is better than sacrifice. And, you know, so many people have religion, but they don't have a relationship with Christ. And and he's calling us to have a relationship. He's calling us. I mean, he is my friend. God is my friend. Like he was Abraham's friend. He is my friend. That is my buddy. Like we go shopping together. We go to lunch together. The Holy Spirit and I, we, we have some times together. He, he has a sense of humor. You just can't even believe some of the things he's done, the miracles in my life. And, and we also have had, you know, Sunday services out here. We have had, um, uh, there's uh, other anti-trafficking organizations uh, like Into the Jordan, One More Child, uh, Path to Freedom, Ground Up Ministries and others that have come to us and used our land as like a field trip location for their survivors. And we also have done an Easter egg hunt and a Christmas event um, to where we told the story of, you know, Jesus's birth and of and course of the resurrection. And we work with parent and child. So we had about, a, you know, 85 or 100 people on the land, survivors and their children. And they we just poured into them and just loved them where they're at. And so whatever we can do to facilitate the needs of the community, we do that as well. We do a lot of community outreach, education uh, to to prevent this from happening um, during Hurricane Ian. Um, you know, the Lord, the Holy Spirit told me, he goes, you're going to get hit. And they said it, they said that storm was not coming to us. And we're in Fort Myers, Florida. And he says, oh, it's coming. You're going to be hit. And it's you're going to be hit hard. And I said, does that mean I get to leave? And he said, no. And you're going to go through the storm and I'm with you. And I'm like, that sounds really scary. Uh, But he told me you're to stay put. So I told my husband, I talked to him. I said, God told me to anoint the buildings. He told me to do all this stuff and 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 my husband you know he was gone because he's a police officer so he he did not ride out the storm with me i was here alone in a shed and that's where the lord told me to get and i went into a shed it does have a little ac and and uh i had, had my cats in there with me it's real small and uh when when the lord moved us i i went from a big house down to a little 576 square foot tiny little house and so i sat and was watching kind of some pieces of it fly away and But he, he protected us. He saved us. And, and we had very minimal damage. And about two days later, our power came on and he said, okay, I need you to go, go to these places. So he literally, I delivered about 1500 meals. He sent me to the community, to people that were his children. He sent me to addresses and they said, we were praying and you came as it's God. Everything I do is God. Nothing is me. Nothing is me. This ministry is his. You know, I've spoken at the United Nations on human trafficking. All everything that I have done is because of God. Everything. Nothing is in my own power. I am merely a sinner. I am I am not worthy. I just obey. And when you obey and you walk in his favor and his glory, he takes you from glory to glory to glory. Now, it is it is tough. It is hard but I have joy in my circumstances, even in seasons of financial lack, you know, I mean, we went through a a big storm, you know, it, it, the area is devastated. So the you know, the donor pool is small and people are struggling with their own uh, experiences and things. So uh, we are, you know, in need of donations, but I just, I I praise him. I praise him in the storm because I know that it will come. I, I don't worry about anything and he's got it. He's got me tucked under his wing. He has all of us. And, that's why we need faith. We need it to get through the circumstances, the, the world that we live in, the COVIDs, the, the natural disasters, all these things. And so we provide a, a, a pathway of, of spiritual healing and spiritual nourishment. I have a lot of um, books that I give out to survivors and we talk about boundaries, life skills. And I do have a tiny home on the land and I have housed a survivor of human trafficking in our tiny home. And we have provided them transportation so that when they exited out of our program, they had actual transportation uh, and were empowered to start their life. So we do provide them those basic needs as well. We, you know, transportation assistance. And I do believe one day I'm going to have a tiny home village. It's, It's not going to be on the land we're on now. But I am believing that there's going to be more tiny homes right now. I have one and I have another one coming, but I'm believing that we're going to have land so that we can house uh, the ones he's called us to house the 18 to 24 year olds that are aging out of foster care um, or those aging out of these uh, uh, commercially sexually exported children's safe houses, whatever it is, I just obey. And I do. And so far that I've housed one survivor on our land and And uh, he, through his grace, we got a big donation and got the the tiny house that's here. And so that's, that's where we are.
1: That's amazing. You know, first of all, I don't know, like if you even understand how amazing this testimony and how encouraging this, that our life and the devil try to like beat you, beat you off and the submission in this tiny shed that you've been tortured and, and abused and then God took you in the little shade and protected you. You know, like after when you have faith and you have trust in him and he protected you in the shed as well. Ashes to the beautiful life with peace and joy. And not only this is happening, nothing is wasted. Look, this is give you that purpose that your heart hurts over these survivors. You want to make these people... Feel better, be better, because you know, you know exactly how it feels. And it's so beautiful. I'm so grateful. You're going to hear from me for sure, because that's divine appointment. I'm going to be part of your organization. I'm going to support with anything I can. And for now, I will share this message and I pray that it's landed in, in the good years and the fertile soil so people can hear Jesus and people can hear you as well and come and support your ministry with the funds, with whatever you guys need. God knows what you guys need. But yes, I'm, I'm I'm just so grateful for everything and you definitely salt of this earth and I'm grateful for everything you do and blessing for all the people that you guys um, going to touch with this ministry. And I know we're running out on time, so I'm going to skip a couple of questions, but I would like to ask you, Tammy, where can people go to find out more about you, your work or what we can do to help?
0: Well, spreading this message is is helping, and and I, I do also do uh, Zooms. You know, I've I've with survivors all over the country and and the world. Actually, I've had free Zooms, and if God led me to them, then I would pray with them, and we would work through some the darkness. So I'm available, you know, for for whatever is needed. Um, you can go to www.reflectivespacesministry.com. Uh, and that's uh, Reflective Spaces Ministry, which is singular dot uh, com. Uh, and my information is there. You can email me. Uh, you can, you know, all of our websites link to the others. So you can go to www.nuaht.org at Nurses United Against Human Trafficking. And that will link back to me. 50 uh, percent of the proceeds of Nurses United Against Human Trafficking do go directly to our 501c3 nonprofit. Um, and, and so that we can offer survivor support, uh, services and to even other organizations that are in need, uh, and be that beacon of, of light, uh, to all those that, uh, God uh, has called us to steward over. And, uh, so we have that, I have A&K Ranch Ministries. You can Google me, Tammy, Tony Butler, and y'all come up, uh, God has blessed me to have a, um what you call it, a, a, a presence in the public and, you know, an online presence, I think someone said. And, and uh, so you'll find me and uh, you'll find our ministry and, and ways uh, to support us. But uh, 501c3 nonprofit that we accept donations is Reflectivespacesministry.com. And I'm not kidding, $5, $10. We Because we live on the land, we don't have a tremendous amount of overhead but every dollar that comes in we want to address the critical needs and we know what the needs are because survivors trust us they trust us to get involved and to give them what they need because they know that we don't want anything from them we just want to love them that's it we offered free housing you know transportation there was no catch it was free so for us to be able to continue to bless survivors Uh, with the tools that they need to be successful in their lives and on their healing journeys. And transportation is a big part of that and and support, uh, whether it's to go to school, any of those things. uh, Those are things that that we need. So thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I just want to make sure that people understand churches are there for you. Worship houses, faith-based programs, they are there for you and do not turn your back on them. Uh, There are so many that are amazing. And if you go to one and you, you don't have a good experience, don't give up and like you said, don't give up on God pray and and you will know the church you're to go to and you will find one that's going to wrap their arms around you. That's going to support you. That's going to help you reparent by committee and, and parent your children and, and wrap their arms around you and all of us fellowship and grow up in love together because the churches are there. The ones that are doing, they are truly the hands and feet of Jesus. They are there and keep going until you find that one That is sold out for the Holy Spirit and wherever the Holy Spirit is, where you feel the presence of God and you know it when you feel it, when you know it's God working and it's all him and the pastor gives Jesus all the glory and does not take it for themselves. That's where you want to go. Seek out the true church because that's so important as we enter into these last days because the Messiah, he's coming. Jesus is coming and I'm so excited. I know he's coming like a thief in the night and we have to be ready. We have to be ready. Thank you.
1: Beautiful. Thank you. And before I let you go, Tammy, I would like to ask you my signature question. What does love and to be loved means to you?
0: Jesus Christ. I didn't know love. I didn't know the love of a father. I didn't trust men because the only men that were in my life, and of course, I associate Jesus with being a male. I, they'd hurt me, and they'd betrayed me, and just the love, the redemption, the hope, even now, even when I, every time he's come through for me, he took me through a Category 5 hurricane, and I didn't, it, really no damage, minimum damage, other than, I mean, you know, some some things to some structures and barns, but nothing, no loss of life, nothing compared to everyone around us. That was devastated. So it is his, it's he is love. He is the the definition of freedom. If you have Christ, you have everything. I need nothing more than him because he is, he's my lover of my soul. He's my best friend. He's my he's my everything. You know, he's the bridegroom, they say. And he's just he's everything to me.
1: That's beautiful. Any final thoughts, Tammy?
0: Um, Just hope there's so much darkness in the world. Do not let that 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 fear that 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 net of fear that's being cast out there catch you in it because there is no fear in perfect love. And that's what Christ gives us is he gives us freedom. He gives us that strength to continue despite our circumstances to praise him in seasons of plenty and praise him in seasons of lack. You know, and, and don't be afraid to put on that new wineskin skin and get out of the old wine skin so that you can blossom and move into alignment for your assignment where he has called you to be. Every one of you has a purpose. He knew what you were before he formed you in the womb. He knew what you were going to be. He spoke life into you. Speak life over yourself. Words matter. Speak life. Speak truth. Speak love. That is that is who you are, that is what you are, and that's the essence of what I want to deliver today, hope and healing at the foot of the cross.
1: Really, really appreciate you. Our special guest is Tammy Tony Butler, co-founder of Nurses United Against Human Trafficking and Anti-Human Trafficking Consultant and Survivor. And we talk about spiritual support, God and faith and reflective spaces ministry, and why it's important, and what can we do to help. And guys, don't hesitate to reach out to Tammy. I will post links to everything that was mentioned in this episode in show notes, and stay tuned for another edition of Love and Beloved. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you all. And thank you so much, Tammy. I'm so grateful for you and your
0: time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks to your listeners.
1: And remember, you are never alone. You are loved. You are God's treasure, precious and priceless to Him.
0: Thank you for listening to Love and Beloved. If you have any questions about what you heard today, visit loveandbeloved.com. It's love and the letter B with no E, loved.com. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and share the show. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you'd like to connect, we would love to hear from you. So send a quick note to linasabula at gmail.com. Stay healthy, stay safe, love and be loved.